0: The Forward Together podcast from Hollywell Trust with Paul Gosling and Jared Dean. Welcome to episode eleven of the Forward Together Podcast. I am Jared Dean. I work for Hollywell Trust and I'm delighted to be joined today by Paul Gosling. Paul, how's it for me? Ah,
1: As good as ever, Gerard.
0: Good man, good man. Right. We're about to have over the next couple of episodes conversation about integrated education with a, a couple of guests. We have Peter Osborne and Rashi Marshall. But first up is Peter Osborne. Peter's a former chair of the CRC. The CRC fund this podcast. And that's not why we're interviewing him. We're interviewing him because he has good an interest, a strong interest in integrated education, Paul.
1: Absolutely. And, and Peter's one of the most interesting people to talk to about this situation. We find ourselves in Northern Ireland and how we make progress, and how, how we reconcile, bring together our society.
0: Yeah. That's the first thing that he talks about, is how he sees integration, or integrated education or as an exercise in reconciliation.
1: That's right, a, a tool of reconciliation, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, the core of the problems we have in Northern Ireland are essentially around the, the, the perceptions of different identities, and the sense that we don't have a single community, uh, and then we have the problem: how how do we create a single community? How we how do we bring people together in ways that perhaps historically they've been separated?
0: Yeah, we're going to hear from Peter Noe a minute, but I think segregation goes to the core of of what he talks about because he's saying that what we need to do now to help build society is to address some of the the causes of the problem rather than the. If you like the symptoms and he sees segregation and education and in other aspects of life as as a core issue that needs to be addressed
1: absolutely and one of the phrases that i really quite like that peter uses is the fact that you know the criticisms of integrated education are about you know people who are advocating it being social engineers mm. but he makes the point very strongly that the greatest act of social engineering has been the creation of separate schooling systems and the separation of communities based around different identities, and I think that really puts the argument into reverse.
0: Yeah, and of course then there's the, the economic aspect of the, of the argument, and it's sounds interesting that he takes a slightly different approach to the economic argument. It's not just, you know, the, the usual one that you might hear, having two of everything costs you more, but it's the consequences of not doing things in a shared and integrated way that we also have to deal with that cost money
1: absolutely and and vast amounts i mean it has been suggested it's a a, a billion or a billion and a half a year of the the cost of having duplicated services and separated communities um and uh, yeah clearly that's a a very wasteful structure of society
0: mm. okay let's hear the chat that you had with peter and i
1: now you've argued very strongly that we need further reform and we need a Bengoa for schools talk talk me through your your views on this
2: I come partly from a perspective of looking at what reconciliation is about, some of the criteria that have been set, and the best criteria that I've come across was used by the Peace Programme 10 years ago, Hamburg and Kelly reconciliation criteria, which talked about, amongst other things, uh, in order to resolve conflict and promote reconciliation, you need to go back and make the structural changes to the structures that help create segregation of the conflict to start with, and uh, whenever I, I look at that, I, I particularly look at how we've lived in a very segregated society for probably close on two hundred years, and therefore there, there there is a requirement, there is a real need to make the structural change uh, around education and around how uh, children and young people are brought up. Because at the end of the day, it's about relationship, and relationship dismantles prejudice. And if you have people from different backgrounds in the same classroom together, uh, then they will uh, emerge as uh, young adults with a much differently shaped attitude to the other uh, than we're currently doing. I I think we need to, uh, in the sense of making the structural changes that give rise to conflict, we need to tackle the.
1: I suppose there are two arguments for reform and we need to be clear about not confusing them because putting aside for one second the issues around uh, the impact on a sectarianised society, there's also the financial issue and we've got figures this week from the Education Minister indicating there's still more than 60,000 surplus places in schools. Um, But the Education Minister wouldn't put a cost on that um, on the other hand, we know that's about 35,000 fewer surplus places than in 2006. So, so we, reduce, we are gradually reducing the number of surplus places and the cost associated with that, but on a slow basis, and that feels as if it's a waste of money.
2: Well, it is a waste of money. There, there are a number of arguments uh, that are relevant. Uh, there's the social arguments, are, um, there's the economic arguments, with political arguments, On the economic argument, you can put a figure on some of this stuff, Um, and and there's a a range of different ways you can put figures on it. So, for example, uh, we spend, uh, I'm not sure exactly how much, I heard somebody talking about 200 million pounds recently, but certainly we spend tens, if not hundreds of millions of pounds in bringing children and young people together to promote better community relations. And this is outside of school through things like shared education and cross community projects. That's money that we spend in order to correct the relationship challenges that there are. Uh, and it seems to me it'd be much better to correct those relationship challenges at source in the education system, which will save us having to spend hundreds of millions of pounds bringing people together afterwards. You then have the money that will be saved within the education system itself. And you can't put figures on that. Um, the Ulster University for the Integrated Education Fund recently produced a report uh, about isolated pairs. Uh, and what that says, for example, is they took 32 pairs of schools, 64 schools in total, in rural communities that were sometimes a couple of hundred yards apart. One was Catholic maintained, one was controlled, so, it was the state system and the Catholic maintained system, largely catering for Protestant children or Catholic children, each of those schools each of those 32 pairs, at least one of the pairs, if not both of them, under the threshold of sustainability. Um, So those schools are in danger of closing because there are too few pupils pupils going to them. Now, those schools in danger of closing are paid, every single pupil, the school is paid 1,000 pounds per pupil because they're uh, low in numbers. So if you take a school with Transportation journeys because if one of those schools closes, probably the parents will send their child to a school maybe two, three, five, ten miles away within the either government sector or the controlled state sector, which would mean more transportation journeys, more school buses on the roads, and eventually would mean that those parents are more likely to move out of the village into the other village, which means that we get villages that are more and more segregated or single identity and in all sorts of ways, financial, socially, politically. That's not a healthy place for the society to be. So the the economic arguments are clear. Uh, Personally, I don't believe uh, education needs more money in this case. uh, We hear about the department and others asking for more money into the education system. It doesn't need more money. It needs to spend the money it has a lot more astutely and efficiently and effectively. And that means looking to uh, rationalise the school estate by having more integrated schools. And there will then be social benefit as well as the economic benefit.
1: But that leaves us on to the question, two questions really, uh, one of which is what type of school they merge into. Uh, and the other is how you achieve the political changes that enable that process to happen. To deal with that, the first of those points first, um, we've got an issue, I think, with one of the primary schools in Northern Ireland where they were going to be merging with another on a shared estate. And uh, a, a Catholic priest has offered to resign from uh, his parish because he's opposed to the idea that the new shared school has a single building rather than two buildings. So what's your idea about how we move forward? Is, is a shared approach appropriate or do we have to move whole hold onto integrated schools?
2: Happening within shared education, I think there's some stuff that is not good, but there's a lot of good stuff as well. And, and, and my criteria for it, I suppose, is that there is a continuum of moving to a place where children and young people learn and develop together. And shared education helps us move along that continuum, time. I think it's really interesting in Moy, for example, where uh, there have been those difficulties about one building, two buildings, or what, what the shared uh, actually look like. Uh, that I believe the police concern said there was an awful lot of parents were actually saying, well, why not just bring both schools together into one building and have one school? Uh, and if that's what parents want, then uh, frankly, I don't see any reason why any organisation or any individual or any policy should be saying that's not where it goes. And the uh, experience of the Integrated Education Fund, amongst others, whenever they do polling of parents, most recently at Glen Gormley High School in North Belfast is that at least 70% of parents at all of those polls, and very often over 80%, and sometimes even up to 100%, support uh, the school moving into integrated uh, status. Now, I, I'm not particularly uh, 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 saying one system is all that we need. Uh, I certainly in favour of integrated schools where children learn and develop together. That could be in, in, in terms of different models. I think that's a conversation we need to have. But uh, I think from the ground up, parents young people when they're asked are very clearly saying we'd prefer the school system to be about everybody in the same classroom together and that's where we need to lead to so if if in my or other places there is a demand for that to happen and that's what should back to the 32 pairs model, uh, where schools are literally within a couple of hundred yards of each other sometimes within rural villages, and some of those schools are in danger of closure, the danger is, because of the area planning model where one system doesn't talk to another, the danger is that some of those villages will be without a single school because there hasn't been planning to bring schools together, and that's not what those rural
1: villages need. So you get consolidation within the sectors rather than across the sectors?
2: You, you, you will get closures within the sector and those parents will go to us a few miles away. Mm. Uh, the, the, the two different systems, either should be talking to each other or the department should be planning uh, area-based the other sectors it should be that in Ballygo backwards or village uh, they're talking to each other and rationalising down into one integrated school so that the parents aren't having to send their children to Ballygo forwards village five miles away uh, which will mean that both of those villages will become increasingly single identity that's a crazy way of planning uh, any situation and for the schools themselves and the department uh, if you can rationalise the two schools into one integrated school whether you're college integrator or not, don't care. But one school that takes people from all sides of the community in a village, uh, then not just are you saving hundreds of thousands of pounds to the education budget, but you're going to have a village that is making real structural change about how those young people grow up within that village. No longer are they being segregated at the age of four and five. No longer are they going to be playing different sports, going to different youth clubs, socializing in different ways, having different circles of friends, going to different uh, times uh, that more closely affiliated with their particular side of the community. No longer will that be happening. You'll have a genuinely integrated society, which is not only about saving money, but about sustaining this peace in the long term. Because I do think that if we don't take some of these structural, make some of these structural changes, we will endanger a huge opportunity that we have to really embed this peace process and make sure that we don't go back into the
1: cycle of violence this region and this island is seen far too often which suggests there are two blockages for making the progress that that you and I both recognize we need to make. One of which is a minority of parents that are hardline and won't accept the idea of their children going elsewhere. And we still have this assumption that parental, um, the parental right to choose. And the second issue is those politicians that object to breaking the identity orientated education system. So how, how do we address those two challenges?
2: There are a number of blockages, I think, that you've, you've identified uh, potentially too. I, I do see a change happening in the political side. Uh, it's not just about the schools, for example, in fair employment, uh, exemption in schools shouldn't exist. I do get a sense from some of the things I hear politically that politicians are recognizing that. Uh, for example, around teacher training colleges, to have two teacher training colleges when really we should only have one, and that again costs millions of pounds extra to sustain those two teacher training colleges is ridiculous, and I do get a sense that there's an acknowledgement of that politically. And of course uh, there was a debate in the Assembly recently where politicians did say that they wanted to see an independent review of education, and that in in terms of new decade, new approaches talking about a single education system. I think politicians are are increasingly seeing the rationale rationale of it, but of course it takes great courage to uh, actually go the, 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 the now and, and start to make those sort of policy and legislation changes, which is what they should do. So I think there is some shift around politicians. I think there is a shift around parents as well. I think you're probably right. There are uh, a, a number of parents who don't want to see a change to the system. Some of that, uh, I understand the rationale of. We have uh, parents who were brought up within those different systems. There is a loyalty to the schools and a loyalty to the systems that they that they experience a lot of the education uh, that we have is very good, some of it uh, fails young people because of the um, the far too high, many lower low qualifications young people go through the system but but a lot of the education is very good and so there is a loyalty to what people have lived through and, and, and experienced themselves and they want their own children to have the same thing. But of course, changing how we educate facilitate integrated education as part of the legislative requirement from nineteen ninety-eight onwards um, is, is that they they, they will make uh, substantial financial savings and I would ask them to look innovatively
1: I mean, we, we are reducing the number of surplus places within our school system. But it, at the current rate of progress, it is slow because from the statistics I've been looking at, we've gone from about 95,000 surplus places to 60,000 over the space of 14 years, which is very slow progress, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know what,
2: whether those 60,000 relates to all of the school estate or whether it relates to primary or
1: post-primary. Or it's, post-primary, a, it's, post-primary. A, it's across all... It's across all um, Post-primary, primary and preschool, uh, the, but the preschool numbers are minute, so it's basically within uh, pre, uh, uh, primary and post-primary.
2: Okay. I, I thought it was higher than that, I have to say, I'll have to go back and double check. Those it was uh,
1: a, a statement by the Education Minister this week in the Assembly. Yeah,
2: and I, I saw it, and I, 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 I'd actually like to go and analyse this figure again because I thought it was higher than that, but, but you know, you have a population of 1.8 million people. 60,000 spare places is still far too high, if it is that, and you're quite right, it's not coming down fast enough. Um, so the, the economic imperative in this is clear and obvious, uh, and I suppose if I was the British or Irish government, it's one of the things that be saying to the regional assembly is, well, if, if you want more money to put into education, I would justify it, uh, or no, you're not getting it, and actually restructure how you do education. Uh, because it's quite clear, you can make tens and hundreds of millions of pounds of savings if, if the education system is restructured. And of course, Northern Ireland is getting a £10 billion uh or so from the UK government. Well, uh, that's very nice, and of course there are special needs here and special circumstances given our history uh, and, and uh, what this place has had to endure over the last 30 or 40 years, uh, particularly around health and mental health and so on. But uh, that doesn't mean to say more because of a segregated education system. And and while there is a a major economic argument for it, I I go back to the need for structural change. Um, If we're to take this process seriously, we need to make structural changes. We need to tackle the causes of conflict, which for me is about segregated system in all sorts of ways, housing, as well as education. Um, I'm I'm reminded all the time of many quotes by Martin Luther King. Uh, One of the quotes that I really like uh, is when he said, True compassion isn't tossing a few coins to a beggar on the street. True compassion is understanding the structures that give rise to the need for beggars to be on the street and then changing those structures. And in Northern Ireland, true wisdom isn't about putting thousands or millions of pounds more. Changes everything they do in their lives. It changes the sports that they play, it changes the youth clubs that they go into, it changes where they'll socialise, and ultimately it'll change the relationship they have with each other. And It's so critically important for this place going forward.
1: And what other public services do you think should be consolidated uh, and reformed uh, in the same way as schooling can be?
2: Well, I mean, the obvious one is, is around housing, and we need to be a lot more ambitious about high areas but also in the rural areas where rural communities are looking to sustain themselves uh, and that includes housing and schooling Um, uh, so we need more ambitious ambition for that and we need to then
1: Now, you and I have talked in the past, Peter, about the role of citizens' assemblies. Do you think citizens' assemblies are a way that we could actually move this process forward to to integrate public service provision, including schools and social housing?
2: I I think citizens' assemblies and civic engagement more generally is something that we really need to uh, put more resource and more thought into. Um, I, I visited the citizens' assembly in Dublin three years ago when they were looking at a number of issues that that, uh, were on uh, their agenda. And I was hugely impressed that you had 100 people coming together, uh, a real mix of people from across Ireland, uh, different ages, different geographical areas, different socioeconomic backgrounds. They had no political agenda. And when I saw how they were engaging on the issue, in in the case that I looked at on environmental issues, it was very clear they were highly engaged, first of all. But they were looking at evidence, and everything they were considering was about where does the evidence lead us. I think it's natural that uh, people, especially, uh, I think it's understandable politically, if you look at it, and then you try and look at your constituents and who uh, and, and politicians will slightly shape or nuance. of the other
1: you also make the important point that with the environmental challenges, there's also Citizens Assembly, which has not had the same level of public attention because it didn't lead to a referendum, but has still been very valuable in the legislative uh, process in the South. Uh, Peter Osborne, thank you very much indeed. That is really helpful.
0: Okay, thanks to Peter for the conversation there. It touches on loads of stuff there, Paul, all different aspects of shared and integrated education or integrated education as opposed to shared education but he reckons that there might be the political climate is changing slightly, maybe slightly more favourably towards integrated education than it has in the past.
1: Yes, I mean, these things are very difficult to, to judge, aren't they? I mean, there hasn't been a big increase in the number of ed- integrated schools in recent years. The surveys do indicate that people want that. Mm. And you do get the sense, I think, that younger adults within North Ireland are more keen on on sharing society and integrating across community divides than perhaps historically would have been the case it's just very difficult to be certain because I mean some of the integrated schools of course are oversubscribed uh some of demand mm. uh so you know it's it's difficult to get a, a clear handle but you know let's be fair Peter Peter's confident
0: yeah yeah he is indeed But he goes on to touch on a wee bit more than just uh, the challenge of integrated education. He also talks about housing, because that's a a further reflection of the the segregated society that we have.
1: That's right. And and the phrase that's used, of course, is chicken and egg. Mm. Um, I mean, is it that we are having separated schools because we have separated social environments? Or is it that because we have... Uh, segregated schooling that inevitably that leads to segregated housing and segregated society Uh, you need to tackle both really Mm. Um, and it is very difficult to to structurally change society that perhaps arguably has gone in the wrong direction for many generations
0: yeah i do like the fact that he still sees citizens assemblies or citizen engagement and whatever form that takes as a way of addressing the big issue too
1: yeah, I, I I did feel that was one of the most positive elements of the conversation. In fact, that the opportunities for uh, a citizens assembly to to do that, and and there has been criticism. So let's be blunt about it: that the the first citizens assembly looked at social care rather than some of the deep seated. Uh, challenges that our society is facing on a localised basis. I mean, you know, it's not to say social care is not a big challenge, because clearly it is, mm. but it's a, a UK-wide, it's a, a Europe-wide problem, you know, global problem. It's not something that's specifically different in Northern Ireland. And we already heard from Deirdre Heenan in one of the previous podcasts who, who indicated she wasn't very happy with, with the structure of that uh, Citizens' Assembly. So perhaps when they're talking about the next Citizens' Assembly for Northern Ireland they could take on board the comments that Peter's made in, in this interview because I think he made a very strong case for, for that as being the type of vehicle which enables our society to to get to grips with some of these challenges. Yeah,
0: that'd be
1: really good to see.
0: Okay, so that's it for this episode. Thanks to Peter Osborne for taking the time to meet with Paul. Thanks to Eamon Doherty too for production support and to the funders of the podcast, the Community License Council for Northern Ireland and the Department for Foreign Affairs. And we'll catch up with you next time. Community Relations Council for Northern Ireland supports this podcast through its media grant scheme and core funding programme.